Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have Kristen Stinson on from The Curated Farm. I've been really looking forward to this chat because we met at the Modern Homestead Convention, but just didn't really have a chance to have a conversation. So I'm glad that I got to have you on today. Welcome, Kristen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah. Do you want to like introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about sure. farm and yourself. And yeah. So I am the owner of the Curated Farm. Um, I started this business about a year and a half ago. Um, I was new to this area. We moved out to um, this rural area in eastern Washington, kind of right on the border of Idaho and Washington, um, north of Spokane. And you know, I was in the middle of the pandemic. Didn't have you know, a soul nearby that I knew. And I thought, well, how can I get involved with my community? How can I meet people? And I really wanted to make some kind of farm good and sell it at the local farmers markets and just kind of reach out and engage with my community there. And then that is kind of how the curated farm was born. Um, The sourdough aspect of my business was not something I had planned on. It just kind of happened after I'd already started this business. Um, and it was, I call it the best accident, um, that ever happened to me. So, um, as my business kind of started out with, um, just some farm goods that I would sell at the farmer's market, I started to teach sourdough classes and that kind of started to become the main aspect of my business. And so I've been teaching people in the greater, um, Spokane area sourdough and how to be successful in sourdough for about the past, um, gosh, like almost a year and a half now. And I also sell a lot of retail goods, um, and sourdough supplies, home goods, stuff like that on the side. So sourdough has kind of become the bread and butter of my business. And that's kind of my main focus of, um, my business at this point. So that's a little background on us. That's awesome. So you kind of just started, what was it? A farmer's market? Yeah. So I making, I started growing calendula flowers. I found out that they do really well in the environment that we uh, live in here with like extreme heat summers and cold winters, all that good stuff. So I started making um, some calendula project products out of the calendula we grew. And I was like, I'm just going to throw it at the farmer's market, see what happens. And, um, a neighbor reached out to me and said, Hey, you make this amazing sourdough. I'm always gifting my neighbor sourdough bread. Uh-huh. That's always like, I, ca- I call it my forgiveness bread because I'm always giving neighbors sourdough bread for my dogs getting out or having <laughs> my neighbor come over and help me with my sheep that I can't control. There's always something. So we have yeah. amazing farmer neighbors. And, um, that was like my kind of offering to them while well, I can't give you much other than I can make some really good bread. And so my neighbor was like, Hey, you've just started your business. Why don't you start teaching sourdough classes? I'll bring over some, some friends and you can just, you know, see how that goes and go from there. 
Um, and that's kind of how it started. And then it just became, you know, word got out and it just became kind of the dominating part of my business. I don't do farmer's markets anymore. I still do some farm goods, you know, homemade farm goods. Um, I, but my main focus is teaching and that has been such an answer to so many prayers for me, because obviously when you're teaching classes, you're meeting so many people. And when I up here and knew nobody, that was my lifeline. So really just getting to be in my community and teach people a skill they can pass on to their kids, um, utilize for their families, for themselves, and then just connecting with people. That was a dream come true for me, honestly. I can understand that one. We moved up yeah. north, but I don't think we're that far from you. Yeah. You uh, guys are pretty close. Yeah. Um, we moved here before the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. just thinking life was going to be normal. So it was okay. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. People through sports and 4-H and church and right. that was not the case. <laughs> so yeah, we felt comfortable moving 45 minutes from town and then we mm-hmm. were wrapped 45 minutes from town when COVID started. Right. Yeah. So we, we definitely felt that too. We moved out here at the end of 2019 and it was pretty, pretty shocking when the timing of everything, we had no idea. And, and then all of a sudden the world shut down and I was like, well, I am out here in the middle of nowhere and I don't have, you know, everything's just shut down. How do I meet people? So yeah, it really, um, and I think sourdough became such like a a lifeline for other people in terms of just feeling like they could do something in their homes that was not being sourced out. It was something that they could just, they didn't have to go to the store for. So it all kind of happened, you know, because of the pandemic, I feel like sourdough has had a comeback, a strong comeback. And to be a part of that wave was, you know, it's awesome. So you know, I'll admit, like when I first people were getting really into the sourdough, I was kind of like, what's the big deal? It's just another type right. of, and then it really clicked for me that it's a bread that you can make without any outside source. Right. As long that, as you, you know, get your flour, you're good. Yeah. I mean, it's really empowering. And when I say, mm-hmm. you know, outside source, yeah, it's that you have to buy the freeze dried yeast or you can create your own yeast. And then there's so many yep. options for flours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and flour, especially where we live out here, I mean, it's so easy to find there's, we're, you know, wheat central. So I always, you know, say if you can find someplace local to you and they they usually are going to sell it in bulk and then just, you just store, store it in those big $5, you know, five gallon buckets that you get at the tractor supplier, North 40. And, um, and you're good to go. You don't have to, I mean, you can have bread for your family for weeks and weeks at a time without having to go to the grocery store. So. Yeah, that was, we have a, we, a flour mill right by our house and yeah, that was really, I felt like at least we had control over something. Exactly. And I think that's what people, you know, they're like, what is the big deal about sourdough? Why, why was it such a big deal during the pandemic? And that, that is why, um, just giving people just something to kind of hold on to and to learn and to do, to pass the time in their home and to feel more connected to their food and less reliant on outside world. 
Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm a sourdough lackey. Like <laughs> I love to bake in the wintertime. And in the spring, when things start getting crazy, I yes. let my die every year. Well, I, that's where I'm always like, I, did you, are you letting it die? Or is it just, you know, does it just need a little love? A lot of people think that they've lo- lost their sourdough starter if they've neglected it, but it's actually pretty darn hard to kill these things. Um, they just go into like a dormant state. And unless there's, unless there's mold, like actual fuzzy mold or pink slime, most of the time you can bring your, what was that? Mold has actually been my biggest issue. So you have had like the mold, like the fuzz or the slime. Oh, yeah, that's hard. I actually had one that it was, I was doing really good with it. And like, I yeah. was, like, if it's a really healthy, strong sourdough, it's not going to mold. And I'm like, well, mine molded. And I've been doing this one for a year. Okay. Are you keeping it in like an uh, airtight jar or the screw on jar? So I had it in a screw on jar with like an open top and then I like not open but like a cheesecloth oh mm -hmm. started putting like um like a canning lid on it then I stopped having mold issues yeah yeah the better I I always recommend using the hinge jars for your sour starter just because really keeping that air out of your starter when you put it in the fridge is just is like your best bet at not getting mold. I've had a jar of sourdough discard in my fridge for the past almost four years now. I've oh never cleaned it once. <laughs> I've never sw- like cleaned it out completely, nothing. And it is the starter. I just keep adding extra starter to it as time goes on. And I've never had one issue with mold. And I think it's just because the jar is just airtight and, okay, you know, yeah. So try try the hinge jar, but, um, usually it's, it's, you know, the air and then heat can kind of contribute to like last summer, I got some pink slime on the sides of my starter jar, which means you got to throw the whole thing away. So, um, but I always have discard on hand. So I just bring a little discard back to life. Okay. And that's another one is I don't usually keep discard on hand because yeah, the- cakes out of it or I feed it to the pigs or chickens or something and oh yeah the chickens love it eat and so I'll have to make sure I keep some like tucked away but yeah yeah so even like this morning before I hopped on the call with you I was playing on Facebook for a little while and I think the biggest question I see about sourdough is everybody wants to know where they get sourdough starter and that always I think to me like unless you're wanting a certain flavor that's right. always one that like bums me out when I see that. Right. So when I teach my classes, I'm always a big fan of telling people, you know, don't get hung up on trying to make your own and having that pride of like, well, I want it to be mine. If what, if you buy a starter, like the starter that I sell or give to my classes mm-hmm. is my starter. That's been that I made four years ago, but then I was also gifted a hundred year old starter from a friend, um, who was traveling across the country. And I ended up mixing that hundred year old starter in with my new, my newborn starter. And it totally changed its kind of, um, taste and smell and everything. And it's just, it's thriving and happy. So the big thing with sourdough starter, is like a fine wine, the older it is, the better it is. So you really don't want to 
you're doing yourself a disservice by kind of starting your own because it's just, it's going to take you years for that flavor and the depth of that flavor um, and the active, how active it is to really develop um, Mm -hmm. versus buying or being, you know, borrowing or taking some from a neighbor or friend who already has an existing starter. So um, when you get your starter in your home and you start using it and you feed it, it really becomes your own. It's no longer whoever you got it from. So when I send my class home with some of my starter, it's not going to look, taste, smell, behave exactly like mine because everybody has different, different home environments with different temperature, different humidity, um, different wild yeast. So the wild yeast is what is in our sourdough starter that, that is a living organism that grows our sourdough starter and, and, and then grows our bread. Um, so basically everyone has different wild yeast. So it's in our hair, it's on our countertops, it's floating around the atmosphere. Um, so taking someone else's starter and then making, you know, making that be yours, it's going to become your own. It's not something that you really necessarily need to build from scratch, but I always tell people, if you want to do that for, for your own, you know, tradition or something that, so you can tell your grandkids that I started this in my kitchen, then, then go for it. But just have reasonable expectations of how, um, when you're comparing your newborn starter to someone else's starter, who's maybe has one that's a hundred years old, it's going to look and taste and smell act completely different. So that's good to know. Cause I've done yeah. a little of each. Um, I bought like a freeze dried starter one time. Yeah. Then, um, I did one my own. They were both fine, but I really love a sour starter, like a really sour sourdough. And these were not, they were sweet and kind of sweeter, lighter flavor. Okay. Yeah. So where you get your starter from can be like it, it, everybody's done different, you know, flowers, different, different methods. I usually just keep my starter with, um, in terms of feeding it, I usually just do one type of flour and it's just an all purpose organic white flour. I never change that because I find when I've experimented with other flours, I have gotten mold quicker when I used like a, a milled whole wheat flour to feed my starter. It, it definitely, I put an experimental jar in the back of my fridge and within like two weeks there was mold in it. So there's just things like that. Um, I, recommend just doing like a very simple flour. Don't try to get crazy and add wheat and rye and all this other stuff. Just feed your sourdough starter, one type of flour, a good solid organic all-purpose white flour is going to be sufficient. Um, and another trick for if anyone is concerned about getting mold, um, and losing their starter and having to completely start from scratch. And if you're not keeping a lot of discard on hand, um, what all you have to do is just take a little piece of parchment paper. If you don't have a dehydrator, you can do this, you know, open air, but you're just going to feed your sourdough starter. And when it doubles in size, you're just going to take like a good, um, maybe like a half a cup and then just spread it on that parchment paper on a cookie sheet and put it somewhere, um, you know, up and out of the way in your kitchen, let it sit for a few days and it will dry out or stick in your dehydrator on like 98 degrees for, you know, about a day um, and let it dry out and then put it in a Ziploc bag or a Mason jar and stick it in your pantry. And that is dehydrated sourdough starter that you will always have on hand in case you do get mold. 
Um, and you're not having to kind of start from scratch, especially if you've started one yourself and you really don't want to let go of, you know, the months or years of time that you've put into that sourdough starter. Okay. I'm totally taking notes. So <laughs> love it because that's when that like my daughter and I do it together every year and we do get frustrated when we, yeah. have our- and so I'm going to share this with her and she likes yeah. experimenting with like the discards or, you know, sourdough chocolate chip cookies, like all the different. Oh my gosh. And do. You can put sourdough discard in anything that has flour and water in it. So you mm-hmm. just are going to sub. That's why I like to keep a lot of sourdough discard on hand. Some people don't, which is totally fine. You just use it however you want to. I have people that take my classes that end up just primarily using the discard. They have no interest in feeding the sourdough starter, waiting for it to double in size, using it for a yeasted bread kind of the situation. They want to just use it for the cookies and the crackers and putting it in banana bread and pancakes and all that good stuff. So it's really, that's what I love about sourdough is that it really can be whatever you want it to be in terms of how much effort, work, time um, you put into it, but it's so versatile. Yeah. I love uh sourdough discard pancakes with my homemade. Oh yogurt. my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is one so, of my favorites. Yeah. You make it, you make the batter the night before and the next day it is like when you make the pancakes, it's, they taste almost like a crepe. It's just, they're, they, they're uncomparable to the other regular sourdough or regular pancakes. Our, our kids don't love the homemade yogurt that I make. I love it, but. Oh my gosh. Know. It doesn't taste exactly like store-bought. So Um, that's hard. It's hard to get people's taste. It's hard. Even even as an adult, it's hard to train our, our taste buds to accept different from what we're used we've grown up with what we're, you know, used to tasting, even with the whole grain, when I mill my own wheat for sourdough, when it's a very different taste than when I'm using just like the organic all-purpose flour that's been, you know, um, process and enriched and all that good stuff. So, but it's, you know, it's something that I'm trying to push myself more to because it's so much healthier for us, but it's definitely an, an acquired taste <laughs> getting yeah. out of that, that white bread, you know, addiction we have. It's, it's hard. You know, I've actually got them. Um, they think there's nothing better than like a good whole wheat peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like they like oh, the sweet whole wheat. Love that. Okay. But then I'm also the one, the first one to be like, you can only eat tomato sandwiches on white bread. Like, <laughs> there's just no other way. The thing. Or a grilled cheese. I mean, I don't know if I could do like a real weedy grilled cheese. It just isn't the same. Yeah, I do it sometimes if that's all we have, but yeah. yeah. Um. So I have, when I do have my sourdough going good, I have mastered a pretty decent sandwich bread. Like, yeah. I basically just swap out sourdough for the yeast in my normal yes. sandwich dough, sandwich bread recipe. Yeah. The Irish soda bread, like sourdough discard that I love. I make it every year. Yum. Uh, corned beef and cabbage. Yes. That's the best. I haven't mastered like one of those really beautiful sourdoughs. Cause it seems mm-hmm. I, I read about it. It's like a two day process. Is Am I <laughs> reading that right? Pretty much for me, it's a 24 hour process. I mean, I'm, I tell my classes to pick their sourdough day and this can, this can be once every two weeks. Cause what I am, and it is for me, I, even though this is like kind of my life, I don't bake sourdough every day. I don't even do it every week. Most of the time, what I do is I pick my sourdough day 
I pull my starter out the day before. Um, I let it come to room temperature. I give it maybe a feeding, discard it back down, give it another feeding. So it's nice and active for my sourdough day. And then I start making, I start, I feed my sourdough starter first thing in the morning and I'm making my recipe, um, by noon and I'm putting it to bed in the fridge overnight, um, that evening. So then I'm baking the bread. I'm actually baking the bread or breads then the following morning. So for me, it's about a 24 hour process from start okay. to finish. That does not include taking my starter out and letting it sit on the counter for overnight for room temperature. Um, but um- thing is you had to do like two like 24 hour rises or something and I was like this no, is too much no that's too much for me <laughs> I mean <laughs> uh, if you have issues with gluten um in terms of like it it really upsets your stomach I'm not talking celiacs or anything like that um just basically having issues with your stomach digesting gluten I always recommend do like a long fermentation. So instead of putting it in the fridge overnight, you would just leave it in the fridge for maybe two or three days. And that really helps break down that, that gluten that our body has a hard time digesting. Um, but other than that, no, it's a 24 hour process. And like I said, I only do it once every couple of weeks and I usually triple my, my recipes. So then I'm putting at least two loaves in the freezer or I take my master recipe, which is just it. All it is, is 500 grams of all purpose flour, organic, all purpose flour, 350 grams of lukewarm water, um, 50 grams of sourdough starter and about 10 grams of salt. That's my master recipe. And I use that to do the sandwich bread. I use that to make a really pretty round bowl, the traditional sourdough loaves. And then I use that same recipe to do the pizza crust. So I'll triple that recipe and divide my dough three different ways and put pizza dough in the freezer, put, you know, do two loaves of the sandwich bread for set my kids up for the week ahead, um, and put one in the freezer. So it really doesn't have to be this big to do. It doesn't have to be every day, every week, even. Um, so you freeze bread or are you freezing dough? I'm freezing both. I, I freeze pizza dough and then I freeze um, the baked loaves. So when you freeze the baked loaves, all you need to do is take them out of the freezer, maybe the day, the morning that you want to have them for that, that evening. Or if you're trying to have that sandwich bread ready for you in the morning, take it out before you go to bed, let it come to room temperature, defrost on the counter. Um, and then especially for the bowls, I like to just rinse them under water and stick them directly on the rack in the oven at 350 for five to 10 minutes. And it tastes like it just came out of the oven. Like rinse the bread underwater. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just rehydrates okay. it and it makes the crust super crunchy on top. So, you know, a lot, you lose a lot of that when you're not eating it right away. So that's a great way to bring it back to life. Even if the you've eaten, say you've only eaten half the loaf and it's been sitting on your counter in a bread bag or in a bread box or whatever, um, and it's gone a little stale. There's no mold on it, but it's a little stale. You just rinse, rinse it underwater for maybe a minute and then stick it in the oven. And it really, you'd be surprised at how much it kind of brings it back to life. So, you know, we're not using preservatives. So the bread doesn't last, you know, quite as long as what we're used to with the store-bought stuff, but there's tips and tricks like this to make it like doable for our very busy, modern lifestyles. Right. Wow. That's, 
okay. I'm like, I'm all excited. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out. It's going to be a little later in fall. So I think that's going to be a perfect that's time perfect. To, to, you know, dive into sourdough for the winter. That's when everybody, that's when my classes get sold out is usually like the fall and winter time. Everybody's wanting to get warm <laughs> and, and eat the carbs. Mm-hmm. And oh man, I mean, it's soup season. You have to have good oh. bread for soup season. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, we don't eat a lot of the sourdough bread during the summer. I make the, I'll do the pizza dough just to have on hand, which is super, super convenient. You just throw it in the freezer and then you just let it come to room temperature and you roll it out that pizza dough for dinner. But, um, other than that, like the, the fancy bowl, I don't, we don't eat a lot of it in the summer. Cause I'm not, I really just crave that with like chili and you know, all that good stuff. Oops. Yeah. So during the week when you're not cooking, when you're not doing sourdough, you keep it in the fridge the whole time. So yes, my, my sourdough starter basically just goes dormant, um, when I put it in the fridge. So what happens is when you leave it on the counter, if you were to leave your sourdough starter on the counter, you would have to feed it every single day. So I really only keep it out on the counter when I set it and I'm waiting for it to double in size and use it for a recipe. So sourdough starter is just going to live with an airtight seal on it. Um, with your jar, it's just going to live in the back of your fridge. You're not going to have to, it's not something that you have to think about every day, feed it every day. Um, it is something that the more you use it, the better it gets. So if you've neglected your sourdough starter for, you know, weeks at a time, set set reasonable expectations of how long it's going to take to kind of come back to life. So a good rule of thumb for me, I say about a day of feeding for each week that I've neglected it. So if I've not fed my sourdough starter, used it for three weeks, it's probably going to take around three days for me to kind of get it back to life. And that means doubled and and visually bubbling. Um, Be living on the counter for three days. Should it be living on the counter for three days? Well, I mean, that's then that's how you would do it. Yeah. So basically you're going, if it's on the counter, you got to feed it every day. So you never want to just leave your sourdough starter sitting on the counter, not being fed for three days. That basically is going to kill that wild yeast. Um, it needs to go, it needs to go in the fridge and go cold and stay in a dormant state. Um, so yeah, when you're say it's been a month since you've used your sourdough starter, you're just going to pull it out of the fridge. Um, let it come to room temperature before you feed it. You don't have to, but that's just what I do to kind of like give it a little bit of a boost um, and then give it a good feeding. And you can also do two a day feeds if you're really trying to get this thing back to life. If it's been a while since you've used it, you can absolutely feed it first thing in the morning, discard it down, let it do double. It's probably not going to double, but let it do its thing right now and then go ahead and discard it back down um, and feed it again. And you can do that twice a day feedings for as many days to kind of get to life. Okay. Um, yes. That of 10, it's going to come back to life. Even if you've neglected it for months, as long as there's no mold, just by doing continual feeds for a few days, I guarantee you can get it back. So like if I put mine in the fridge in May and don't pull it out till October, mm-hmm. like yeah. I don't, 
I don't even need to touch it during that time. I can just let it be or. Yeah, you can let it be just like the, just keep the air out as much as you can. Make sure you scrape down the sides of your jars. Cause that's where a lot of that pink slime likes to grow. So nice. the cleaner, the sides of your jars are the better, but that, but don't go cleaning your jar out completely. It likes to be a little bit funky. Um, I've never cleaned my sourdough starter jar out unless I've had mold. So, so yeah. Um, might be one of my, I am weird about the sides. And so like <laughs> my discard, sometimes I'll put like, I'll take my discard jar and feed yeah. that because it's a fresh, clean jar. Oh my gosh. You're so funny. Yeah. I have had a lot of people in my classes be pretty horrified when I tell them you never clean your jar. They're like, what? That's disgusting. I'm like, but that's, it's, you're killing it. all the good, you're killing all the good bacteria. You're killing the bad bacteria, but you're killing all that really good bacteria that it needs to kind of thrive. And so that's part of why sourdough is so good for us, right? Exactly. Is all those good active bacteria and enzymes and yep. Prebiotics, probiotics, all that good stuff. Heard that. And I always wonder, like, so when you bake it, are we baking, are we killing a lot of it or is it there's no. still in there? It's more about the, the fermentation process. Anything that's fermented is going to be easier on our, our digestive system. So when you have bread that's fermented like sourdough, it's fermented on multiple levels. The starter itself is incredibly fermented, but the dough that you're putting together, your recipe is fermented. We're letting it sit and in what we call bulk fermentation, it's sitting on the counter and doubling in size um, at room temperature for hours. Um, and then we're putting it, we're shaping it and then we're putting it in the fridge where it's going to sit and continue to ferment for as long as we leave it in there. So the longer you can ferment it, the better it's going to be for our bodies, um, when we eat it. So, um, in terms of, you know, bread, this is hands down the best bread that we can, you know, put in our bodies. Everything else is, you know, it's not good. It's bad, very bad. So, um, do you just do in-person classes or do you do online ones as well? Well, I'm working on that. And I, when I was talking to you at the beginning of this, um, before we started recording, I don't, I'm very like technologically, I'm just, I'm very old fashioned and I have a hard time getting on board with the tech, the new technology of, you know, the world we're living in, but I'm definitely forcing myself to, um, one of two things I am working on doing an online, um, basically it's going to be my class online that you can order and, um, watch from your computer at home. And then I am also going to start doing zoom classes. So that's something that I've had a lot of, especially after the homestead conference, um, where we met, that was my biggest. I, I walked away from the weekend just feeling like so excited and so happy, but also like, I felt really bad because I met so many people from across the country and, and they wanted to take my class, but I, you know, only had something in person to offer. So we're working on those things behind the scenes. Um, I do have on my website, I have, um, basically it's a digital guide, which is step-by-step -step with photographs of everything from start starter to finish. Um, and you can order that printed as well. But as of right now, my classes are local to the greater Spokane, um, Eastern Washington area. Okay. Um, I'm going to link your guide. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm going to go grab it myself and 
hang it up in my yeah. kitchen or something. <laughs> it's the next best thing to going to a, a live class. And I'm starting to give those to my classes um, because I feel like even in the classes, they see me do everything. But for me, I'm, I'm a visual person. And when I'm, when I go home, I want something in my hands that I can actually like go back and reference to. And then this guide has basically pictures, overhead pictures of every single step of this from how to feed your starter correctly to how to shape the dough. So, um, I'm trying to find a way to, to appease everyone from, you know, doing online classes to the in-person to a digital guide to the printed guide, a little bit of everything. So hopefully by the end of this year, I will have um, Zoom classes available or the online um, downloadable um, video guide. Available. I love that. It's hard. Yeah. I like to write over being on video. So, yeah. but I love that you have a digital guide because that's another one that you do. Like you said, you take the class and you get home and go, wait, yeah. what is here? Yeah. And to be able to see that visual. That's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so as we're kind of getting towards the end, I always love to ask my guests, what does keep growing mean to you? Well, I think that means basically what I just kind of, what I just said I'm working on is always looking for ways to get better, to learn, to grow in terms of my skills, in terms of reaching people, in terms of helping, you know, my community, connecting with my community. That's, that's kind of my motto for my business. I'm just always looking for the next thing that I should be doing that I want to be doing. Um, and it's not about finances. It's, you know, it's about the reason why I started this business was to connect with people. Um, so by investing in back into my business in terms of growing, um, looks like doing the online guide and, um, the zoom classes and all that stuff. Cause I want to meet and, and help more people that no matter where they live. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and. Yeah. So I'm just the curated farm on Instagram. Um, that's kind of my primary, um, easiest way to kind of, um, get content from me and, and reach out to me. I always tell people, even if you've taken a class or not, you can always DM me, send me a picture of your, you know, sourdough starter, your bread. I love helping people. Um, so that's one way you can reach me is through Instagram. And then I have my website, which is just the curatedfarm.com. Super easy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate you coming on. I have learned a lot and I'm excited for everyone else to get to learn. Yeah. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. And I hope we get to chat again. Yes. I hope so. Thank you so much, Cody. Thank you. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.